Welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast, interdisciplinary conversations about new works in the broad world of business research. I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast or sharing with others who might like it too. And if you have ideas for future episodes, let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Our guest today is Tom Gosling, Executive Fellow of Finance at the London Business School. We'll be discussing his paper, CEO Compensation, Evidence from the Field, which he wrote with Alex Edmonds, also of the London Business School, and Dirk Chenter of the London School of Economics. I'd a link to the paper in the show notes for the episode. Tom, welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Tom, let's just start with the real basics here. Why does CEO pay matter when we're talking about large firms? And why do shareholders, academics, policymakers, and firms themselves care so much about it? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because actually, if you look at the number, CEO pay is typically less than one-tenth of one percent of the value of the firm. And on the face of it, it receives disproportionate attention. I think there are three main reasons why investors and boards are so concerned about it. So one is the kind of classical agency theory reason, which is that CEO pay is important in creating the incentives that align managers with shareholders. And that traditional explanation for how CEO pay is designed certainly applies. I think a second reason why it matters today is that CEO pay is viewed as a sort of very visible symptom about concerns that people have about inequality and fairness in society. And so there are reputational consequences from getting CEO pay wrong. You know, investors who are under pressure from clients and asset owners to make an appropriate contribution to keeping CEO pay under control. Those investors have an interest in avoiding controversy, as indeed do boards themselves, because getting sucked into these controversies can be very time consuming. And I think the third reason why CEO pay is of great interest is that it's really one of the areas where shareholders can see how non-executives and executives are interacting in great detail because there's a high level of disclosure about how the board is acting on quite a difficult and delicate issue. So I think investors also think that CEO pay provides a window into the operation of the board. A number of reasons to care about and to study CEO pay, certainly an area of hot academic study, whether we're talking about legal academics or finance academics, accounting academics. Traditionally, how have academic researchers examined, studied CEO pay? What methods or approaches have they taken? Yeah, I think there are broadly two methods that have been adopted. One is the development of theoretical models, kind of agency models that explain pay. And Holstrom's probably one of the most famous of those models which aim to show how the optimal contract should be designed to trade off the executive's utility of consumption, the incentives that they need to take the required effort to act in shareholders' interests. So various theoretical models are built that are, that are very much built around the agent's model of pay. And one of the features of those models is that they typically assume that it is the utility of consumption that really drives the incentives for executives. So it's their ability to buy the extra house, the extra car, recognizing that a utility might decline with increasing wealth, but it is very much that utility that comes from consumption that's assumed to drive executive behavior. And at the same time, they often assume that there's a 
common principle being the shareholders and the board, and then an agent being the CEO. So it's theoretical models that are one of the ways that things are looked at. And the other approach is then to test the predictions of those models through archival research. So this is getting hold of data sets on the executive pay and various other dimensions, whether that's performance or, or other governance characteristics, and undertaking kind of classical finance research to identify the relationship, seek to identify causality, and to then try to prove or disprove the theories that have been developed by the theoreticians. You and your co-authors took a little bit of a different track in this paper, both from the theoretical approach versus the, the archival approach. Could you talk about the research questions that you set out to answer how you designed your study and how it differs from a lot of the CEO compensation research that has been done before? So this paper emerged out of discussions that I had with the Gentry and Alex Edmonds. So I used to be a practitioner in executive compensation. And when I was discussing the academic research on CEO pay with Alex, and I felt that there were some kind of real world aspects that I experienced in life when putting pay packages together that weren't fully reflected either in the theoretical models or in the type of research that was being done. And in particular, I had a sense that boards and investors faced many constraints around setting of pay that go beyond pure maximization of shareholder value. I also had experience of the importance of certain kind of non-financial factors in the motivation of CEOs. And I was also acutely aware that there isn't really a single principle board shareholder combination. Boards and shareholders themselves have different and, and complex a relationship of interest. And what we wanted to do with the research design was really try to unpick some of the reality of how decisions are made in the boardroom and in dialogue with investors around pay. Because one of the problems with archival research is that you just see the outcome of that process. You don't see the process itself. And that can, you know, sometimes lead to you missing items that are actually really important. So the sort of research questions that we wanted to ask were, to what extent are investors and directors actually focused on the outcome of maximizing shareholder value when they set pay? Or are there other considerations and constraints that come into play? We wanted to ask uh, what it is that really motivates CEOs do boards and investors believe that it is primarily about the utility of consumption, as is often assumed in, in models, or actually are there other factors, intrinsic motivation factors or, or, or other kind of labor market factors that motivate CEOs? And we also wanted to you know, test some of the theories around incentive design, such as the apparent puzzle as to why relative performance evaluation isn't used more than it is in executive pay. Why executive pay seems to be relatively short term compared to the time horizons over which CEOs are making decisions. And then we also wanted to gather views from investors on boards and boards of the relative and the appropriateness of the influence of the many actors that are involved in setting CEO pay, including proxy agencies, remuneration consultants, CEOs themselves, and HR professionals. And we felt that a survey type approach, a structured survey, was really the only way to get at this information in a reliable way. And of course, surveys themselves have limitations, but this was, in our view, the only way to get any kind of meaningful insight on these questions. 
So what we did was to initially focus on a single market at the UK, and we put together a set of survey questions that sought to address these research questions that I've outlined. And there's always a balance between you want to ask 100 questions, but you can only get away with asking about 15 before people lose the will to live in a survey. So obviously, we went through a process extensively of beta testing the survey to check that the questions did what we intended them to do. And then we secured a population of participants of around a little over 200 directors on UK listed companies and about 106 investors in UK listed companies. And we issued the survey to them, followed up with some interviews of participants to test particular areas of interest and to check that questions had operated as we'd expected. And that then led to us writing up the paper that we've now published. What were some of the key findings or insights from this survey study? It was a real fascinating treasure trove of findings. I think a key one was that we found that the key actors in sending executive pay face real constraints that go beyond just maximizing shareholder value. And indeed, we found that two-thirds of directors and over half of investors would sacrifice shareholder value to avoid controversy on CEO pay, showing how important some of these constraints are on action. What was also interesting was what those sources of controversy were perceived to be. Overwhelmingly for directors, the main source of controversy they were trying to avoid was with investors. So ironically, directors view investors as imposing constraints on them that prevent them from maximizing shareholder value. So there's a really strange sort of dynamic going on there. Investors were actually much more concerned about avoiding controversy with some of these constituencies that might give rise to reputational risks. So for example, employees, customers, and policymakers. And what we also found was that in the view of directors, these constraints matter. They actually bite. We found that three quarters of directors had faced constraints relating to controversy or risk of investor opposition that had led them to offering a lower quantum of CEO pay than they would have liked. And a similar proportion said that these constraints had led them to offer a suboptimal pay structure. So I think that clearly when we're looking at academic research on pay, this idea that boards are acting to maximize shareholder value, and that is the main determinant of the incentive construct, just isn't true. And indeed, this wasn't just boards failing to act in a shareholder's interest. So they did find on around half of occasions that they were forced to offer a lower quantum than they wished to. They found that this led to adverse consequences in terms of motive CEOs being demotivated, them not being able to hire the CEO that they wanted or, or even the CEO leaving. So I think this aspect of external constraint is a real one. I think the second interesting area was that the importance of fairness, particularly in relation to how CEOs view pay. There are a lot of academic theories around how pay should be set in relation to competitiveness, the CEO's other outside options, the risk and complexity of the organization that they're leading, the attractiveness of that organization to lead. But what we found is that a lot of those factors are actually not terribly relevant for how pay is set, but the sort of crude pay number and not adjusted for risk or attractiveness was very important determinant in how pay is set. And when it comes to pay increases, a particularly interesting finding was that the most cited reason for increasing the target 
pay opportunity for a CEO was good recent performance. Whereas in the academic literature, good recent performance is almost entirely compensated for by increases in the value of the CEO's pre-existing equity awards and that there shouldn't be a need to change the future pay opportunity because of performance. But when we looked through all of the findings and took the interview findings into consideration as well, what we found is that there's a really important difference in executives' minds between previously granted equity, which they already hold, and flow pay, which they're receiving from the remuneration committee. So these annual decisions about pay increase send very important recognition signals to the CEO and create very strong reactions in terms of perceived fairness in relation to performance. That's also true of investors as well, who also see these annual payment figures as sending important signals about links between pay and performance. So even though changes in the value of the CEO's pre-existing equity may dwarf in value any of these changes in year-on-year pay, there is a really important signaling effect and sort of fairness impact in relation to the year-on-year pay impacts. So the role of fairness was the second sort of really important point. I think the third area that came through very strongly was the significant difference in view between investors and boards on certain critical matters around pay. Investors think that boards could be much tougher on CEOs, that they could align incentives much more sharply with shareholder interests, whereas directors think the CEO talent pool is scarce. They think it's difficult to retain and motivate CEOs and that investors underestimate the difficulty of this. And there's really quite a difference in view. And the conventional analysis of CEO pay is often around whether boards are weak and in hoc to the CEO. But actually, our analysis just highlighted that investors and boards just have different experiences and perspectives, and that then may lead them to have different views of the world around pay. But they also have different incentives in that directors are directors of a single company, whereas investors obviously have diversified portfolios and also have clients that they need to have concern of. And I guess the final point that I'd make here is that investors clearly think that pay's too high and the boards aren't doing enough to bring it down. And what interests us in that finding was that was equally true of portfolio managers as it was of governance professionals. It's really been a, a fascinating series of findings that suggests that some really important factors that haven't fully been taken into account in the academic literature are actually critical in driving design of pay. If you were to deliver a lecture on these results to investors writ large, whether they're institutional investors or retail investors or all the flavors that investors come in, it sounds like there are going to be some findings that will surprise those investors that might run counter to the mental models that they work from in terms of CEO compensation. Do you think that they would find your findings to be compelling, to be convincing? Would you expect to get pushback? And how might you respond to potential pushback you would get from investors on these findings? When we've discussed the findings with investors, I don't think there's anything in the findings per se that they would particularly to disagree with, because these are just facts about how people think about the world. The main area of remaining frustration is that I suppose that investors are generally not sympathetic to this idea that boards have, that it's terribly difficult to retain and motivate CEOs, because investors don't see 
large amounts of CEO turnover. They don't see CEOs frequently walking for pay. And so that they believe that most CEOs are some way from what we in academia call the participation constraint. And so they think the participation constraint is slack and that CEOs could be pushed much harder towards it. If I was to provide some pushback on that, you know, I think that the evidence there are problems around attraction and motivation is not going to show up in CEO resignations. It actually bites in terms of the CEO candidates that you never get to talk to you in the first place or that you never get to take the job. So I think the cost of some of these constraints on CEO pay are not always terribly visible. And I certainly felt during my career as a compensation consultant that, you know, early on, I felt that there was unjustified sort of complaints from boards about shareholders being too strict on pay. But I would say that in really the most recent couple of years, I did start to see situations where both struggled to get their first choice candidates interested in a UK CEO position, partly because of the pay constraints. And also the pay compression that was arising between boards and the next level down on executive committees was starting to make it difficult to set pay structures for recruitment at that level as well. And I think the challenge back to investors is that some of these issues are actually much less visible to them. So they shouldn't expect to see mass CEO resignations. If they push pay to that point, then we really have gone too far. What key takeaways would you like listeners to have from this paper and from this conversation? And are there any open questions that you hope to tackle in the future? For me, the big takeaways are around the critical importance of fairness in how all of the stakeholders in the executive pay debate view executive pay. I think that in many ways, we have taken an overly sort of financialist approach to the design and and modeling and research in executive pay, whereas actually some of these more subtle kind of human motivations are, are very important. Indeed, when we asked about what motivates CEOs, both boards and investors were agreed that intrinsic motivation factors were the most important factors and, and pay was important, but it came third place. And so recognizing how pay feeds into perceptions of fairness and recognition in how we model it is very important. And those perspectives of fairness are based on perceptions of what peer CEOs are earning, about what the performance and difficulty of the job has been, or from the shareholder's perspective, what the shareholder experience has been. So a great example of this is that in theoretical models, you know, it's inefficient to ask CEOs to bear risks over which they don't have any control because they will just ask to be paid more. And therefore, common classic uh, theory of contracts suggests that we should strip those uncontrollable factors out using relative performance evaluation and the like. But investors very strongly feel that if they've suffered, it's fair that CEOs suffer as well, and the public feels that. So there are many dimensions of fairness that need to be taken into account. The second is this recognition that boards and investors don't face aligned incentives in relation to the objectives of CEO pay. So boards are boards of a single company seeking to maximize shareholder value in that company. And they also have sort of individual career concerns themselves about taking on their board positions, which might make them reluctant to attract controversy. And also there are the time considerations of getting involved in the controversy. Shareholders have some slightly different objectives in that they will typically own shares across a whole range of companies. And so they have an interest in 
what trends and practices are established as being acceptable across the whole market, not just an individual company. And they also have reputational concerns arising from their clients' wishes. And so these differences between board and investor perspectives are extremely important for directing future academic research. In terms of some of the open questions, we'd love to find out what CEOs have to say about all of this. So a follow-up study would definitely be to get insight from CEOs on some of these questions. I think a second fascinating question would be to look at what differences there are in private companies versus public companies. So private companies have fewer constraints and they have a very different type of governance model. And to what extent do these considerations translate into the private company sphere? And what can we learn from any differences that might arise there where there's probably a much closer connection, for example, between the shareholder and the board? because they are more commonly one and the same set of people. And then I think the third open question would be the extent to which these findings translate across countries. So we think there are good reasons to think that significant numbers of these findings would be applicable in different territories, but equally it would be fascinating to test that and see what differences arise. Our guest today has been Tom Gosling. Executive Fellow of Finance at the London Business School. We've discussed his paper, CEO Compensation, Evidence from the Field, which he co-authored with Alex Edmonds of the London Business School and Dirk Genter of the London School of Economics. I'll link to the paper in the show notes for the episode. Tom, thank you for joining the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Scholarship Podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to the podcast or leaving a rating on your favorite podcast app or let other people know about it too. If you have suggestions for future episodes, please let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com and I look forward to hearing from you. Until the next time, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings.